0: Thank you, Pastor Jason. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us today, and thank you for those of you that are joining us live stream. Uh, We hope that you had a wonderful time with Thanksgiving, right, with family and friends. Hope you enjoyed that experience. We we were uh, off to Columbus, Ohio, uh, the home of the excessively penalized and defensively challenged Ohio State Buckeyes. And, but we went to visit our uh, daughter, Susie, and son-in-law, Devin, and grandson, Samson. I said I'd do a shout-out for him. So, hi, guys. They're watching on live stream. So, we had a great time and enjoyed that. My name is Dean and one of the pastors here at Community Church of Greenwood. It's my pleasure and privilege to finish our series today in Transform. Pastor Jason began it 10 weeks ago. Pastor Brad made a great contribution toward it last week. And we look forward to finishing that and moving in to the Advent season. One of the key verses that we've had was Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we hope that in doing so, we may live differently in the world and differently from the world. So that, as the Apostle Paul wrote to uh, young Titus, who was pastoring, he said that in everything they, meaning we, that in everything we may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Isn't that good? That our life would so adorn, our lives would be so transformed, they would adorn, beautify the doctrine of God our Savior. So hopefully we've allowed the Lord to transform us over these past 10 weeks, transform our character, which leads to a transformation of our relationships, which in turn leads to a transformation in our purpose, in our life today and for our lives to come. One of the the people that has really demonstrated a transformed life uh, in, in years past Uh, transformed in his character, transformed in his relationships, transformed in his purpose was Eric Little. Eric Little, the great Olympic champion uh, whose life is portrayed in the Academy Award-winning movie Chariots of Fire. Uh, In the scene we're about to see in just a moment, Eric is trying to determine what God's purpose was for him regarding going to China on the mission field. And for him to be participating in the opportunity to make the Olympic team. It was a very difficult decision for him. He was getting a lot of information, a lot of opinions from many people, particularly his sister, Jenny. Let's take a look.
1: I've decided I'm going back to China. The missionary service have accepted me.
0: Oh, hey. oh, I'm so pleased.
1: I've got a lot of running to do first. Jenny. Jenny, you've got to understand. I believe that God made me for a purpose. For China. But he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. To give it up would be to hold him in contempt. You were right. It's not just fun. To win is to honor him. Jenny. Jenny. I've got my degree to get. All that work. And then there's Paris. Olympic games. It's just not enough of me. I'm asking you to manage the mission on your own. Till then. Will you do that for me, Jenny?
0: Eric Little determined that God's purpose for him at that time of his life was to go to China on the mission field after he had participated in trying for and then competing in the Olympics. He would go on to win Olympic gold, gain worldwide fame, notoriety, and influence because of that, and have a fruitful ministry in China, only to have his life cut short in a Japanese internment camp in China during World War II. We're left with the question, how did Eric Little determine what God's purpose was for him at that time? Well, we don't know for sure. But the question for us this morning is, how do I determine God's purpose for me? How do we determine it for our life at this stage, whether as a a super senior or as a retiree or as a business person or laborer or stay-at-home mom or dad or as a student or as a parent, a grandparent, a great-grandparent? Wherever the Lord has called us at this time, what is that purpose? How do I find it? How do I fulfill that purpose Wherever the Lord has called me to live, to work, to serve. Well, let's look to the Word of God today to see some clear guidance to answer those questions. I've entitled the message today, Pursuing God's Purpose Provides Our Purpose. That wherever God has placed us, however God has prepared us, pursuing his clear, stated, and written purpose will allow us to be finding and fulfilling our purpose. Let's pray. Lord, you know that deep down in our hearts we all desire to find and fulfill your purpose for our life today and for a lifetime. May you show us how we may do that for your praise and glory. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, for I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 6 or your devices or your church app. Matthew chapter 6, it is early in Jesus' earthly ministry. Chapters 5 and 6 and then again in 7, Jesus is giving what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. It is the greatest speech ever given, the greatest sermon ever preached. And Jesus is speaking there, and during that, those three chapters, he is saying there's basically only two ways to go. There is the way of the world of religion of self. There is the way of God's kingdom. And that in pursuing that, we're not to be anxious about what life has to hold for us. We're not to be worried about the necessities of life, food, clothing, or drink, but we are to look to Him. And He says these great words in chapter 6, verse 33. He says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Jesus said, We're not to be anxious. For that, because why? Because we have a loving Father who provides for us. He said that in verse 26. He said, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And then again in verse 32, For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. A heavenly Father who provides for us, Jesus said. Philippians 4.19 says what? My God shall supply a lot of your needs. No, he said he'll apply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Jesus said not only we have a Father who provides for us, but we have a living faith that is present in us. Verse 30, he said, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Well, not much more he clothe you, O you, of little faith. Jesus is saying you have faith, but you're demonstrating it in a little way. Demonstrate it in a strong way that I'm going to provide for you, that my heavenly Father is going to do that. For we know, Hebrews says in chapter 11, verse 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence, the conviction of things not seen. We're to demonstrate that faith. I love the video with Kat and Perrin a little while ago and talking about living for the kingdom, living for the kingdom, isn't that good? And Kat said an interesting thing, he was talking about the coffee, the coffee beans and drinking the coffee, but he made this statement, he said, but my life is more than that, my life is more than that, and that's what Jesus was saying to his disciples back then, his followers back then, his seekers back then, and to you and me today. Jesus would finish this statement by saying, and all these things would be added unto you. He's saying, my heavenly Father will care for your needs, food, clothing, drink, all the necessities of life. He will take care of them because he is a loving Father and because you have a living faith present inside of you. Jesus says, but. But he transitions from these verses in chapter 6 verses 25 to 32 to now this very clear specific statement. He says, but. And then he says, but seek, it is the Greek word zeteo, to crave, to pursue diligently in order to find. Picture times when you've misplaced your car keys or your uh, cell phone or your wallet or your purse. Or picture even more dramatically missing a child or a grandchild in a store somewhere. There's a sense of desperation, a sense of complete concentration. And that's what Jesus said in this word seek, but seek diligently after this. It is written in the present active imperative. And I thought Pastor Jason would like that because he was a former English teacher. And what it means is it is a command now and it will be a command in the future as well. Jesus is telling you and me, but seek. Seek now and continue to seek in our life. It reminded me of Jeremiah in the Old Testament. God called the prophet Jeremiah to go to the Israelites. He had sent them into captivity in the land of Babylon because of their immorality, because of their idolatry. And yet, God said, Jeremiah, I want you to offer words of encouragement to them, even in the midst of this 70-year captivity. And in chapter 29, Jeremiah said, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. And a few verses later, he says, But you will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's the kind of seeking Jesus is calling us to have. He says, but seek first. The Greek word proton, it comes from the root protos. It means foremost in importance and in time. For example, uh, Matthew in chapter 10 would be writing and listing the 12 apostles. And as he does that, he says, first Peter. Peter was first in importance. And then a little bit later in Matthew chapter 17, Matthew would quote he and his fellow disciples of asking Jesus, why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come before the Messiah? First in order. And so this word means we are to do first the most important thing. Do the first thing first and do the most important thing. That reminded me of Stephen Covey many years ago, the best-selling book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Anybody read that? Stephen Covey. One of the habits was what? First seek first things first. First things first. First, most important thing, and make that the first thing you seek after. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. And that really leads us to our main, two main points this morning. The first is this, we find and fulfill our purpose when we seek God's kingdom first. God's kingdom, big long Greek word, Basileia. Uh, means the power, authority to reign, sovereignly to reign and rule and dominion. It is God's all-encompassing reign, His reign on, in heaven, His reign on earth. God demonstrated that, right, when He, in the Old Testament, came in His presence, His Word, the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus Christ is the angel of the Lord, the Holy Spirit moving, now in the New Testament Jesus has left heaven he's become flesh we're going to celebrate that at Christmas time here his entering into this world his presence here and so God's reign is in heaven is on earth but it's also also in our hearts Jesus said in Luke chapter 17 the kingdom of God is within you is in your grasp is in the midst of you and so we have the kingdom of God inside of us. Last week, Pastor Brad made a great statement in his message as he was talking about purpose. He says, God's purpose is always in the forefront of our mind. When we think about God's kingdom, it should always be in the forefront of our mind. And that's just what Jesus is telling us here in this passage. That's why he taught his disciples, he taught you and me to pray, thy kingdom what come thy kingdom come pastor matt sends out a, a nice email each week to all of his worship team he copies our church leaders copies the staff and in this email this week he quoted the late john stott theologian author pastor and stott had this great comment he said quote we cannot say thy kingdom come without saying my kingdom go. Thy kingdom come, Lord, but my kingdom has to go. And someday, someday the seventh trumpet will sound and the heavenly anthem will cry out, the kingdom of this world is become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. Amen? Amen. The Lord Jesus is going to come and set up his 1,000-year millennial kingdom here as a prelude to the new heavens and the new earth. And if we have trusted Christ, if we're saved, we're rescued out of eternal hell, we will be in that eternal kingdom with him. And so Jesus is telling us to seek God's kingdom, seek his kingdom over our personal kingdom, over the kingdom of this world. And that is God's purpose for us. And you say, Pastor Dean, okay, uh, I believe we need to do that, but how do we do that? I'm glad you asked. Because I want to share five quick things that I see in Scripture that demonstrate when we are putting first things first, when we're seeking the kingdom of God. The first is when we're meeting with Him, when we're meeting with God. We make that a priority to spend time with Almighty God. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, Jesus, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, got up and went to a desolate place to pray, to meet. It was a priority in Jesus' life. It needs to be a priority in your or my life. We demonstrate that we're seeking God's kingdom first when we make that a priority. The late Rich Mullins, Christian singer, had a song maybe some of you will remember. He said, "Oh God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. I will seek you in the morning. I will learn to walk in your ways. And step by step, you lead me, and I will follow you all of my days. Need to be meeting with him. Second of all, we demonstrate seeking God's kingdom when we're worshiping toward him. Just as we've done this morning, Luke chapter 4, verse 16, it says, And Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath. Jesus made it a high priority to be in the Lord's house celebrating, worshiping, fellowshipping. Made every effort to do so. And it was a reminder that you and I need every, make every effort to be here on Sunday. And I know the pandemic has created some things. Appreciate the people being engaged online and live stream. But the idea of attending to the Word of God, attending to worship only when it's convenient for our schedule, was foreign to Jesus and his disciples. We need to be here and demonstrating we're seeking God's kingdom first. The last week of our spiritual disciplines class, a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting in a breakout group and sitting at the table was Amy, part of our worship team and we were, ta- we were sharing some things about spiritual disciplines, and I said, one of the problems I'm having, the difficulties, is, is really worshiping. Because I come in here, and I'm thinking about, okay, what am I going to say next? What am I going to be doing next? What's, what's the next ministry thing I've got? And I'm not engaged the way I should be, and I need to do a better job. And last week, I sat over there, And Amy happened to be a part of the worship team last week, and I was concentrating on saying, okay, I'm going to stay focused this week and doing that. And I did a better job, and after the service, I just went up to Amy and I said, Amy, thank you so much for helping me stay better focused in worship. We demonstrate we're seeking God's kingdom when we're here, when we're worshiping. Thirdly, when we're evangelizing and discipling for him. Matthew 28, Jesus said, go and what? Make disciples of all nations evangelism is that first part of discipleship right and we take steps to help evangelize and disciple a child grandchild great-grandchild someone in our sphere of influence maybe we do it intentionally by some formal study maybe we do it informally by just living life and letting people see us Maybe we do it invitationally by saying, come and see. Come and open up the Gospel of John and just read it. Come and see and worship with us sometime. Come and visit. Invitational. Didn't Jesus do that in John chapter 4? He met the woman at the well, and he had a great interaction with her, and she recognized him now as being the Messiah. And What did she do? She went back into the village, and he said, come and see a man who... Told, told me everything about what I ever did in my life. Could it be the Christ? And the whole village came out. Invitational. Come and see. Amanda in our church uh, does such a wonderful job of just thinking through and praying through and inviting people to come. Uh, oftentimes strangers that she's just had a chance to get to know. And many of them have come here to worship with us and be ministered to. Fourthly, we need to be tithing to him. Put first things first, we demonstrate our putting God's kingdom first when we're giving back to him. Jesus said earlier in Matthew 6, when you give, when you give. And in chapter 23, he was challenging the scribes and Pharisees, and he said, you, you hypocrites, woe to you. He said, for you tithe off of mint, dill, and cumin, spices, but you neglect the weightier things of mercy justice, and faithfulness. And then Jesus said this. He said, these things you ought to have done without neglecting the former. Meaning what? You should have continued to tithe. Yes, do the tithe. But don't neglect the things that are important with faithfulness, mercy, and justice. And that reflects our heart. Fifthly, we see that we put a priority of seeking God's kingdom when we're carrying through him. Mark chapter 4, Jesus had a busy day of ministry, he's tired, he gets in the boat, they're going across to the other side, a storm comes, and even the professional fishermen that were in the boat with him, what, they were worried about their life, and they woke Jesus up and they said, Master, don't you care that what, we are perishing, and they woke Jesus up out of his sleep, he looked around at that which he had created, he stood up, he said, Peace, be still. Be still. And the waves were calmed and the winds died down. And it reminds us that we are to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We're to care for others. We're to care and think about them, pray for them, try to meet needs. Family members, friends, people in our sphere of influence. And when we do, we're helping bring calm and peace to their life because we're demonstrating the care of Jesus. And so we say we find and fulfill our purpose when we seek God's kingdom first. And my question is, are you doing that? Are you demonstrating those and other activities in your life that are showing that you're putting God's kingdom first? Second of all, we find and fulfill our purpose, as the verse says, when we seek God's righteousness first. The Greek word means integrity, virtue, purity of life, rightness, correctness of thinking and feeling. And God has always had a heart for righteousness because that is his very nature. Psalm 11 verse 7, for the Lord is righteous and he loves righteous deeds. Proverbs 21:3 says, to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable than sacrifice. God is a God of righteousness. And so how do we do that? Glad you asked. Because there's a few things that I think demonstrate the righteousness that we need to pursue. First is we need to have Christ's righteousness, right? We can't pursue the righteousness of God without having his righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The great exchange, Christ who fulfilled all righteousness through a perfect life, died on the cross, could bear the punishment of sin upon himself And when we put our faith and trust in Him, God credits us, gives us His righteousness. It is the great exchange. I grew up and I knew about Jesus dying on the cross, but I really thought that just I, I earned my way to heaven by being a good person. And God had to bring me under deep conviction to say, you know what? You do not have the righteousness of Christ. You have never bowed the knee and trusted Him and asked for forgiveness. And God brought me under conviction and led me to repent and put my faith in Jesus. And that great exchange took place. And he rescued me out of eternal hell and brought me into his kingdom through that. We need to, first of all, have the righteousness of Christ. Second of all, Jesus said a chapter earlier, we need to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled, satisfied. We need to be pursuing that in our life. The Lausanne Covenant in 1974, evangelicals got together a long, long time ago. And yet, listen to what one of their statements said. It said, quote, we affirm that God is both the creator and the judge of all men. We therefore should share his concern for justice and reconciliation throughout human society and for the liberation of men and women from every kind of oppression. Could have been written today, couldn't it? It's the pursuit we have. We haven't measured up to it, but it's still, we need to hunger and thirst for that. And finally, lastly, we need to help others to righteousness. We need to point them so that they can have the righteousness of Christ in their life and then help them pursue the righteousness of Christ in living Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, it says, And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. You see Ron and Patty Collins here, they're very kind to my wife Betty and and me, and we're able to stay in their basement apartment where our home's being built. And they live out in the country. I mean, they live out in the country. And driving in late at night sometimes... Uh, I look up and I just see a myriad of stars. I've got this cool app on my phone, Stargazer, and I can hold it up and I say, man, there's Jupiter, there's Saturn, there's Venus, there's all these stars, shining brightly. And then I think of this verse. Those that turn many to righteousness are shining like the stars forever and ever. God calls you and me to be shining lights for him. Are you doing that? Are you pursuing his righteousness in your life and in your living? When we seek God's kingdom and righteousness, we are fulfilling God's purpose. Wherever we are, wherever we go, we are to take that kingdom mentality, that righteousness with us wherever we go. Eric Little pursued God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and discovered purpose in his life. And as he said, he found pleasure, God's pleasure in doing so. Will you find your purpose? Fulfill God's purpose. Experience God's pleasure in your life today, in the season of life that you're in by seeking his kingdom and his righteousness first. That is his call to you and you and you and you and you you today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and may you give us a heart to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness that we may find and fulfill our purpose to accomplish your purpose. And Lord, we extend an invitation to anyone be here this morning who has never had the great exchange, has never trusted Jesus as their Savior and Lord, and received the forgiveness of sin that is extended because of Christ's death. May today be that day they say, Lord Jesus, forgive me, come into my life, give me the forgiveness that you paid for, and I will thank you for it and follow you in my life. Lord, as we prepare to take communion, partake of the Lord's table, we're reminded to examine ourselves and as we do to repent of and ask forgiveness for putting ourselves in our kingdom above your kingdom and our forgiveness for unrighteousness and unrighteous words, Lord, that we have spoken. Forgive us. and May we echo what... First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Please prepare our hearts to partake of the elements, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.